Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Persist podcast. I am so excited to be here today with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jennifer Marola, who is the professor and chair of the UCR Department of Political Science. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Denise. It's great to talk with you. So great to have you here. And as you know, the Persist Women's Political Engagement Conference is entering our fifth year this fall. And one of our main messages is that political engagement is much broader than just running for office or working for an elected official. You've been heavily involved in our conference and our programming and have been such a great faculty partner for us in the UCR Women's Resource Center. So I'm particularly grateful that you're taking the time to be on the podcast today. Let's just start with you telling us a bit about yourself and your path into the political science arena. Sure. Well, um, so I, uh, I'm from a different coast, so I'm from the East Coast. Um, and I think I was first really interested in political science, well, at least government. I didn't know it was called political science um, back in high school. So my um, high school had a kind of a program where you could visit Washington, D.C. with other high school students. And I just really fell in love with learning about government um, through that program. Um, and so then it you know, led me to kind of major in political science and undergraduate. Um, and then I wasn't sure after graduation if I wanted to work in politics or wanted to study politics. And um, I think a year of working into politics, I thought it fit me better to study politics. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, and I became a professor and I just really love doing the research and sharing those. I still enjoy sharing research findings with the broader community. Um, but, you know, that was definitely a more, you know, a better place for me. Um, so, so it's been wonderful. I'm so glad to hear this. It's always interesting hearing people's path into um, political work, whether that's in elected office, working for an elected official or doing what you do, studying the political arena. Your research is so interesting to me, and the topics are quite diverse, but seem to fall under this common theme, which is the political environment shapes public opinion and political behavior. Can you please tell us a bit more about that and what drives this curiosity for you? Sure. Um, So, you know, I'm at the base of it very interested in, you know, how people's opinions and behaviors, you know, can shift depending on the type of context that they're in or the political environment. Um, or the types of information they're provided with, um, you know, we don't have, let's say, kind of preferences on an issue that are just stable and never change. And so, you know, I was, I'm in particular interested in how um, conditions of threat might influence people's political attitudes and behavior in ways that may look very different than if it's a, you know, a period of relative stability um, and prosperity. Um, so that's kind of one avenue, but also really thinking about the way in which, you know, the information environment might change our opinions and our behaviors. Um, And that becomes, of course, really important anytime, um, you know, groups are motivated for policy change because the way in which they frame different issues can have implications for the type of support that those initiatives will have among the, the broader public. And, you know, and it can be quite important to have broad public support whenever you're trying to have some kind of you know, policy change. Absolutely. And that's a good reminder. I think there are a lot of us out there in elected office who don't think so much, especially if we didn't major in political science, right? Think about the research that's being hap- that's that's happening at the moment that can directly influence the work that we're doing. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. Like I said, your research. And you and I had the wonderful opportunity to collaborate on a book project over the last few years. 
based on our shared admiration of Hillary Clinton and our shared devastation regarding the 2016 presidential election results. I had another of our co-editors, Dr. Ivy Cargyle, on the show recently, and we talked about how wonderful it was to work on this project and to be mentored by you as well as Dr. Rachel Van Ward in the process of publishing a book, since Ivy and I hadn't done that before. The book is called The Hillary Effect, Perspectives on Clinton's Legacy, and it's a collection of essays reflecting on Hillary's impact. I would love to hear what this book means to you, especially now that it's out in the world. It was published last year. Yeah, no. So it's, you know, it was such a, a fun project to work on, of course, to work with you and Ivy and, and Rachel. You know, that alone was just made it um, kind of so worthwhile, but also it was a very different type of project because it was you know, bringing together different voices. So, you know, of course, academic voices and, you know, their contributions that share academic research, but we also have practitioners um, voices in the book. We also have activists in the book. We have, you know, kind of everyday people in the book. And so that was really, I don't know, particularly fun for me because I don't, you know, have the opportunity to get um, to do that as often. Um, And so, um, to just see all of these diverse perspectives about how Hillary Clinton um, impacted, you know, both women and men. We have some men in our volume as well. Um, and it was really neat to kind of see that come to fruition. Um, and it was probably the, maybe because I only wrote a little bit of it, I, I really enjoyed reading it, you know, every step of the way. And probably because it was mostly, you know, collection of other people's um, contributions. So. Definitely. That was such a powerful experience um, for us to go through. And and now that it's out in the world, obviously, we published it in a pandemic and it was really difficult to have any type of, you know, in-person book events. But I'm hoping that we get to do that at some point in the future. Yes, that would be wonderful. And and Jen, you're so busy. I um, love hearing about your research and, uh, and the work that you do with us in the Women's Resource Center. We deeply appreciate that. And then I forgot, you know, I was doing research for this interview and and I was reminded that you're also the director of the Gender and Politics Lab at UCR. Can you tell us uh, what this lab does and how you got involved? Sure. So the it grew out of, um, I, I taught a course that I don't think I had been offered for quite some time um, in the political science department for graduate students um, on women in the American political process. Um, and our quarters are, you know, of course, pretty short and really compact. Um, and that can be particularly challenging for graduate students to develop research projects because there's not really enough time to kind of start a project and see it all the way through. Um, and people were really excited after that course and wanted to kind of continue working on those projects. And so we did start the lab. So it was very organic um, in how it started. Um, you know, so it is a bunch of collaborations between myself and some graduate students, um, just graduate students among themselves about really any topic related to gender and politics, you know, in the American context, but also um, in the comparative context so in other countries. Um, and so we've, you know, reached the stage where we're sending out papers, um, a few papers have been accepted. Um, and so, you know, kind of each, you know, a few times a year, new people will present ideas and people join on to those projects. Um, so it's a little more of a decentralized model than, um, kind of some science labs um, where it's really driven by, you know, anyone that's a, a member of the lab kind of generates research ideas and, and shares them and, and people might join on to those projects. Um, so just to give an example, one that I'm involved with, we're really looking at um, 
the ways in which the the political environment from 2016 and beyond um, influenced women's political engagement in politics after. So kind of Trump's treatment of women, Hillary Clinton as a role model. Um, also, the you know, were women affected by the Women's March and the Me Too movement? You took part in some of that research, Denise. We interviewed you for some of that work. And so um, that's been a really exciting project to work on. Yeah, that that is really exciting. I'm so glad that you and the people in the lab are doing this really important research and timely research, of course. So prior to this work, your previous books are entitled Democracy at Risk, How Terrorist Threats Affect the Public. And also you have a book called Framing Immigrants, News Coverage, Public Opinion and Policy. I'd love to hear more about these books and what the process was like in doing the research and writing of these books. Yeah, sure. So the the first one was my, um, so Democracy at Risk, uh, that was, um, you know, it came out a while ago. So that was in 2009. Um, and I started working on that with my um, collaborator, uh, Liz Zeckmeister, in um, I think 2004 was the first time we did a research study. And we were really interested in how um, evaluations of leaders might shift um, especially when something like a national security threat of terrorism in this case is really salient um, in the political environment. And it was in that election in 2004. Um, George W. Bush was really playing up the threat of terrorism because it worked to his advantage. And so, you know, what we found in that work was that when kind of terrorism is salient in the political environment, people really look for a strong leader to kind of rescue them from that threat context. Um, and the leaders that are advantaged, and this is not just in the book, but also some of our subsequent work, tend to be white male Republican um, leaders. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that can be one disadvantage for women running for office. Um, and we've, you know, since the book have extended our work outside the U.S. context um, and have found that to be the case in um, countries like the U.K. Um, as well. Um, and we also, of course, found that, you know, kind of thinking about terrorism, it also influences people's policy preferences. Um, it influences their views on issues that you might not think are linked to terrorism, like immigration. Um, mm -hmm. So we look at a lot of different dynamics um, in that book. Um, and then my other work um, was with um, Karthik Ramakrishnan, also at UCR, as well as a UCR alum, Chris Haynes. Mm -hmm. um, and there we look at a number of different um, policies that affect the undocumented immigrant population um, and how different frames around each of those issues might influence public support. Um, so we look, for example, at support for legalization, um, support for DACA and the DREAM Act, um, and um, support or opposition to deportation policies. Excellent. Thank you for sharing such, mm. such interesting work. I know we talked a bit about your work with the Gender Lab, but is there any other research that you're currently working on? Yes. So let's see. So that's been taking up that kind of one project I mentioned um, from the Gender Lab. Um, we're working on a number of papers that we're hoping, you know, this will turn into a book. Um, and so that's um, kind of one big project. I'm also involved in um, uh, some research through the Gender Lab um, with some of the students and uh, an outside faculty member where we were trying to understand the effect of um, different polls about support for an abstract woman president and how that influenced the actual um, kind of perceptions of the women who ran for the Democratic nomination in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so kind of what we found was that when the media reports all these polls about 
kind of public discomfort with a woman president that people think they're, let's say their neighbors have. Mm -hmm. um, it actually led people to um, kind of have decreased perceptions that Warren or Harris, you know, would do well against Trump. Um, and then that actually in turn influenced their vote intentions in the primary, right? So we kind of argue that you know, when the media is reporting on these things that are not directly related to the election because it's about these kind of abstract notions of support for women, woman president, it can lead to some harmful effects for women um, when they're running, um, as opposed to if they focus on poll questions that actually show much more support for women, um, right? When you ask people individually if they are comfortable with a woman candidate, you know, much higher percentages of people say they are, and it doesn't have that same type of detrimental effect. Um, so that's some work mm -hmm. um, and other work um, with some other colleagues at the University of Maryland, um, we're trying to look at the way in which, you know, people cope with negative emotions when they experience discrimination um, and how that may vary by um, different groups based on gender and race. Um, and then how that might in turn influence kind of their policy preferences to deal with issues around discrimination. Um, so that's another kind of big project I've been working on. Wow, um, your work has quite a range of, uh, of important issues. Thank you for sharing that. Every time I hear you talk about your research, it makes me wish that I could take your classes. I'm envious of your students and I've heard great things from your students. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, what are some of your favorite courses to teach? Yeah, so I know that's a hard question. I love, I kind of, right now I'm only teaching, um, there's three undergraduate courses I teach regularly. Um, so right now I'm teaching women in the American political process. And I really love that class. It's relatively new for me. It's only the second time I've been teaching it, but it is a nice way to, you know, kind of bring together a lot of the research I'm doing, um, you know, into the classroom. And so, you know, I really enjoyed that, um, that course. And you're always so gracious to come and, you know, join us. The students really love hearing, um, you know, from people who are actually doing politics, not just me who studies politics. So, <laughs> so that's great. And I also love teaching my um, elections and political participation class. Um, one assignment in particular I love is I have the students do a group project um, where they design to get out the vote strategy. Um, and so I'm always just um, amazed at, you know, the creative projects that they come up with in that class. Um, you know, and then, you know, my other class on the mass media and public opinion, um, you know, I also really enjoy teaching that class. And I'm always, you know, just, um, it's so interesting the the topics that the students come up with to kind of think about, um, I have them look at kind of media coverage on issues that they care about. And it's just so fascinating to read about their analyses of, you know, how the media covers different issues um, that are, you know, often very contemporary and salient issues. And so, so all of those classes, I really, I don't know if I have a favorite, I just enjoy, you know, all of them so much. That's fantastic. Um, and talking to you, like I said before, is always a great reminder of, of this intersection of political science and the political arena that I think we don't talk about enough, and especially women in politics, right, and the great work that you're doing that really does move the needle on, on these social issues that are so pressing and important. And we always end this podcast with the same question, and that question is, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, especially college students, thinking about getting involved in the political arena, what would that be? 
Oh, one. It's always hard for professors to have one piece of okay. advice. To Maybe me. more than uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the first step is always, um, you know, just kind of getting informed about issues that, you know, really that you're passionate about. Um, and there's, you know, I think for any given issue, there's just so many wonderful organizations. Um, and so kind of once you kind of figure out what your interests are and what really kind of what you're passionate about in the political space, finding those kind of nonprofits that may be working in that arena. I mean, I think often people think of, you know, oh, working for elected officials and all that. And that, of course, can be super exciting. But, you know, if you're really motivated by an issue, then it can be really um a great opportunity to look at the kind of local organizations and get involved that way at, you know, kind of a more local level to start and, and expand from there. That is really excellent advice. Dr. Jennifer Marola, chair of UCR's political science department. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Persist podcast. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for doing all this work to host the conference. It's really wonderful. Thank you. And that's a great segue into reminding people that the conference is coming up October 29th and 30th. Uh, persist.ucr.edu is the website. You can sign up there. It's free, open to the public. It's a virtual event. We hope to see you there. Thank you and take care. The Persist podcast is hosted by me, Denise Davis, director of the UCR Women's Resource Center, and is produced by Rosa Tejeda and the staff in the UCR Women's Resource Center. Check out our Instagram pages for links to more episodes at UCRWRC and at UCR Persist. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, please email us at wrc at ucr.edu. We hope that this podcast inspires you and those around you to get involved in the political arena because we know that who is at the table absolutely matters. Finally, if you have any ideas for who a future guest should be on the podcast, feel free to reach out and let us know.